And now, ladies and gentlemen, on your behalf, I am very pleased to introduce today's guest speaker. In this, her third appearance at the club in as many years, and it's always wonderful to have you. The Honourable Deb Matthews is a woman of action. As Minister of the province's biggest ticket item, health and long-term care, she is focused on transforming a system that is tasked with taking care of all of us. And of course, that is not an easy task. Enter Ontario's Action Plan for Healthcare, a plan which is, as it states, obsessively patient-focused. It's centered on keeping Ontario's healthy, providing faster access and a stronger link to family care. In essence, the right care at the right time and at the right, in the right place. Today, the Minister will provide her first annual progress report on this plan. Deb Matthews has been serving the constituents of London North Centre since 2003. In 2007, she was appointed as the Minister of Children and Youth Services and the Minister responsible for women's issues. In October 2009, she was appointed to her current position. As the Minister of Health and Long-Term Care, she led a major initiative to reduce the cost of prescription geriatric, or, sorry, generic drugs. My apologies. As well, she spearheaded the Excellent Care for All Act, another important policy initiative. As Chair of the Cabinet Committee on Poverty Reduction, Ms. Matthews led the development of a very ambitious strategy to reduce the number of children living in poverty in this province by 25% in five years. She also introduced the Poverty Reduction Act, and for this work she was honoured by the Ontario Municipal Services Association with its first Champion of Human Services Award. Minister, it is an honour to have you today. Thank you for being here, and the podium is yours. Well, thank you, Alison. It is wonderful to be here yet again. I, uh, I want to say thank you to Alison. Uh, I want to say thank you to the Canadian Club. This is uh, an important opportunity for me to, to update you. And I want to say thank you to McKesson for lunch. The 116-year history of the Canadian Club has, been an important, has made this an important venue in which to address, address issues of importance in this country. And I think you will all agree that maintaining the sustainability of Canada's treasured universal public health care system is one of the major issues of our time. Just one year ago, I released Ontario's Action Plan for Health Care. It is an ambitious plan, and it's designed to address head-on the twin challenges we are facing, fiscal and demographic. The Action Plan called for a fundamental transformation in how we deliver health care in Ontario. I knew it wouldn't be easy, that it would require a shift in thinking as well as a shift in spending. But I knew we had to do it. The status quo was not an option. So one year ago, I stood at a similar podium in a similar room with many of the people who are here today. I told you then that I would report back in a year's time on how we were doing on the implementation of the action plan. And that's why I'm here today, to talk about the progress we've made together in just one short year. I said then that if we were to achieve the goals of the action plan, we would be able to do that only if we worked together. 
If we put our particular sector interests aside and worked with only two questions in mind, does this change mean better care for patients? And does this change mean better value for money? Well, we've done that. I have been enormously impressed with how people in the healthcare sector have embraced collaboration, how people have put the what does this mean for me, what does this mean for my sector question aside, and they have embraced a single-minded focus on improved patient care and better value for money. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for playing such an important role in this transformation. This is a transformation that will protect universal health care as our population ages. And I want you to know that the world is watching. My colleague health ministers from across Canada are watching Ontario very closely. I even recently met the health minister from New Zealand. He is so impressed at what we're doing here that he actually has an app on his phone that links him to the ministry website, and he gets updated as quickly as anyone in Ontario. He even confessed to plagiarizing elements of our action plan. So if you are watching Minister Rael, and I bet you are, hello. And I want you to know that I think imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. So just to refresh your memory, there are three pillars to the action plan. The first is keeping Ontario healthy with a focus on wellness, prevention, and health promotion. The second pillar is faster access to stronger primary care, which is all about restoring primary care as the entryway to our healthcare system and as the coordinator of health care for our patients. It's about ensuring that people can access primary care when they need it and enabling family doctors and nurse practitioners to play the role we know they want to play in caring for their patients. The third pillar is about providing the right care at the right time, in the right place, and that is all about a renewed focus on evidence, on timely access to care, and care at home whenever possible. We have made significant progress on each of those pillars. And much as I would love to speak in detail about each of those initiatives, I know that I stand between you and your lunch. So, in the interest of time, you have a document in front of you that outlines in more detail the initiatives, and I will use my time here to focus on four major initiatives that are foundational to the transformation of Ontario's healthcare system. So I've talked a lot about our twin challenges, fiscal and demographic, over the last year. Our fiscal challenge is reducing increases in healthcare spending from 6 or 7% annually down to 2%. We're on track to get there. The demographic challenge is about making sure we're ready for the growing number of seniors who are going to place greater demands on our health care system. But it's never really been just a twin challenge. In fact, it's a triple challenge. The third challenge is about quality, about improving care for patients 
as we address fiscal and demographic challenges. As Canadians, we pride ourselves in Canada's healthcare system, but there are real opportunities to do so much better. International studies demonstrate that our per capita spending is high relative to other jurisdictions, but our outcomes, not so good. Only half of Ontarians can get the care they need when they're sick on the same day or the next day. In Switzerland, UK, it's 80%. Almost one quarter of us wait six or more days to see a doctor when we're sick, compared to 2% in the UK, 4% in Switzerland. And perhaps related, Canada leads the pack when it comes to ER visits. 58% of us have visited an ER in the past two years, compared to less than one-third in Germany, the Netherlands, and France. We have the best healthcare professionals anywhere in the world. I would, talk, I, would, I would take our doctors, our nurses, our personal support workers, our healthcare professionals over healthcare professionals anywhere. anywhere. They're the best in the world. But as a system, we need to work better together to fix these problems. That's why I'm not content to simply reduce the rate of spending increase. I'm determined to improve the quality of care and access to care at the same time. These are not mutually exclusive goals. Indeed, by improving quality and access, we can simultaneously reduce health care costs in one area so that we can reinvest those savings in other parts of our system. So there's a lot going on. Sometimes it feels a bit like retooling a jumbo jet while it's in the air with 600 people aboard. And for those of you old enough to remember Ed Sullivan, some days I look at my deputy, Saad Rafi, and I'm reminded of, remember that fellow on Ed Sullivan? He'd have one hand spinning plates and then he'd have another hand spinning plates and he'd be riding a unicycle and balancing it all on a teeter-totter and then someone would throw another plate? That's Saad Rafi. <laughs> I have to say I have enormous respect and admiration and gratitude for the people at the Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care. Led by Saad Rafi, they are every bit as committed to this transformation as anyone. And we simply would not be here without them. So thank you so much to everyone in the Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care. So let's take a look at some of the major transformational milestones of the past year each of which demonstrates real progress on the implementation of the action plan. I'm going to highlight four initiatives in particular. I'm going to highlight the Physician Services Agreement with the OMA, health system funding reform, how we fund our hospitals, our senior strategy, and the creation of community health links. None of these initiatives stands alone. Each is linked to and complementary to the others, and each is foundational to the change we are driving. I'm going to start with the area of our transformation plan that created perhaps the most intense discussion over the last year 
our negotiations and subsequent agreement with the Ontario Medical Association. It was a long and winding and bumpy road, extended much of the past year. Resolution took commitment and patience on both sides. I'm delighted that Scott Wooder, the president-elect of the OMA, is here with us today. And I think he would agree that it was not always easy. Our relationship was challenged. At one point, we broke up. <laughs> we both looked to the public for a shoulder to cry on. We may even have said nasty things about one another in public. But in our hearts, we knew we couldn't live without one another. We knew that patients were counting on us. So we overcame our differences and we negotiated an agreement where patients won far more than either side ever could. And now, we love each other more than we ever have before. <laughs> right, Scott? <laughs> yes, the OMA was a huge step forward, a vital component in implementing our action plan, given our fiscal, fiscal constraints. It means that hundreds of million dollars were able to be reinvested into better care for Ontarians. So in many ways, this is an agreement that represents the partnerships we need to transform and sustain our healthcare system. Together, we did far more than find savings. We worked to introduce real reforms into the system. For example, we're embarking on a series of initiatives that are going to help us finally allow our patients to communicate with their doctor from the comfort of their own home. Family doctors will be able to communicate faster with specialists. And we agreed that we can improve quality of care in primary care by measuring and reporting on outcomes. Together, we're introducing quality improvement plans to our family health teams and community health centers, just like we did in our hospitals. We're working together now to establish metrics that matter to patients. Our family doctors came forward and they demonstrated that we could achieve much better care, particularly with, for people with complex conditions, by eliminating some low-value physician bonuses and reinvesting that money to better serve patients. So now we'll be able to roster more complex patients and seniors who need a family doctor, and we'll be able to properly compensate doctors for making house calls to people who just can't get to their doctor's office. We're here today equipped to make major steps forward for our patients because our doctors and the OMA demonstrated real inspired leadership. The overwhelming support that the agreement received in ratification is a testament to the leadership of our physicians and their commitment to patients. Even though he's not with us, I want to thank OMA President Dr. Doug Weir. I want to say thank you to President-elect Scott Wooder for never giving up, for working together, even when the task was difficult. We have achieved far more than an agreement. It's a new way of working together where frontline doctors are engaged with us in a meaningful, ongoing way to find new ways to strengthen the system and its sustainability. It's a commitment to continuous quality improvement for patients. Thank you.
The second significant piece that, uh, that we've moved on over the past year is a major overhaul of the way we fund our hospitals through the health system funding reform. I'm seeing some knowing nods here for people who are in our hospital sector. We're working with our hospitals to transition from provider-focused lump sum funding, the results of decades of history and sympathetic health ministers, toward a much more transparent patient-centered model where funding is based on the care provided. In the past, a hospital could choose to cut services in order to balance their budget. Now, we're moving to a system whereby hospitals receive funding based on how many patients they look after, the services they deliver, and the specific needs of the population that they serve. That means as a hospital cares for more patients, their budgets will increase. So far, we've set price and evidence-based standards for best practices on four quality-based procedures, hip replacement, knee replacement, dialysis, and cataract surgery. And we're going to add six additional treatments to that list this year, including stroke, congestive heart failure, and systemic chemotherapy. Health system funding reform is the right thing to do, but we know it is a major challenge for Ontario's hospitals. I get that. And I appreciate the commitment that our hospitals have shown, along with the Ontario Hospital Association, to get us to the end goal. I'm going to work with hospitals to ensure that we continue to move forward at a brisk but manageable pace. And I want to thank our hospital leadership for working with us to make this transformation possible. You may recall that another initiative of our action plan is moving more routine procedures into specialized not-for-profit clinics. It's been demonstrated that specialized clinics that focus on a few select procedures can serve more patients more quickly with excellent patient outcomes. That means less time waiting by patients and more convenience for them. Of course, shifting high-quality routine procedures into the community is not a simple task because everything in healthcare is interconnected. That's why we're moving carefully to get this right, and we're coordinating our approach to specialized clinics with our approach to health system funding reform. Progress is well underway. We issued a call for two new birth centers led by midwives to give expectant moms with low-risk pregnancies more choice in where they deliver their babies. Last month, I announced that the first new birth center will be here in Toronto. The center expects to assist with up to 500 births annually. And in coming days, I will announce the location of the second birth center. In the fall, we further expanded services, services at the Kensington Eye Institute, where now approximately 300 cornea transplants are taking place over the course of a year. Waiting lists are already improving. We need to keep the momentum going. So I'm pleased to announce that in coming weeks, we'll be launching a call for proposals for a province-wide expansion of specialized clinics for vision care. Given our track record of success in moving vision care out of hospital, it's an obvious next step. And over the course of 2013 and 2014, 
we're planning calls for proposals for other routine procedures, including colonoscopies, dialysis, hip and knee surgery, and MRIs. In each case, I can assure you that the expansion will be guided by the best advice of expert panels made up of leading frontline experts in each respective specialty. The third element of transformation in the past year that I want to highlight is the work we're doing to keep older Ontarians living healthier, more independent lives. Our action plan committed to developing a senior strategy. We got started in May when I asked Dr. Samir Sinha to be our expert lead on senior strategy, and I'm very happy that Samir is with us today. He spent months traveling the province. He consulted with thousands of older Ontarians. He consulted with caregivers, with community care providers, with volunteers, with health leaders in our LINs and our municipalities. Just last week, I was pleased to release Dr. Sinha's report, and with his help, we will be implementing many of his recommendations. In fact, we're already moving forward on several fronts. Last week, I announced our government's goal of ensuring that every senior who wants a primary care provider, a nurse, a nurse practitioner, or a doctor, will get one. I think it's the least we can do, make sure every senior is attached to a primary care provider. We're expanding house calls to 30,000 more seniors. I've committed to make it easier for seniors who rely on community support agencies to access personal support worker services. And this week, I announced changes to expand the role of long-term care homes, adding 250 short-stay beds to help 1,500 more seniors get out of hospital sooner. Yesterday, I joined Minister Linda Jeffrey to launch Ontario's Action Plan for Seniors. It includes a commitment to expand our falls prevention and exercise program, programming for older adults in Ontario in coming months. We already have a head start on making Ontario the best place to grow old. We've made a conscious decision to focus on care in the community so that there are more options available to older Ontarians to help them stay home longer. We know that care in the community is more affordable than care in hospitals or long-term care homes. And more importantly, home is where people want to be for as long as possible. A year ago, I said we had to shift spending. We had to shift spending to the community sector to achieve that goal. We've done that with an additional 4% this year next year and the following year. And we asked our LINs to allocate this funding to tackle three priority areas. Reducing ER wait times and alternate level of care rates in our hospitals. Reducing hospital, avoidable hospital readmissions. And increasing access to mental health and addiction services. Well, our LINs rose to that challenge. They demonstrated once again the tremendous value of having local knowledge. And some of our Lynn uh, representatives are here. And I'm just, I see Joan Fisk is here from the Wellington Waterloo Lynn. Uh, Maria Brito, I think, might be here from the Central West Lynn. And I see Angela Ferrante from the Toronto Central Lynn. 
And if there's anyone else, I apologize. So thank you so much. I've had the pleasure of now joining three different Lynns as they have announced how they're allocating their additional funds. Each time, I told everyone in attendance that this was my best, the best day of my life as Minister of Health. The truth is, of course, that the London announcement was the best <laughs> because it's London. But I have to tell you that the shift to community care is something I am enormously excited about. It is going to make a huge difference in the lives of Ontarians. It means home care for 90,000 more seniors. It means relief for caregivers and provides unprecedented support to those facing mental health and addictions challenges. And that brings me to the fourth, fourth highlight of this past year, the creation of community health links. If we're going to improve care and get better value for our health care investments, we must have a laser-like focus on those who need health care the most. You see, one-third of health care spending is spent on about 1% of Ontarians. The top 5% of individuals consume two-thirds of our health care spending. So it's vital that we focus on the needs of those people who need the most from our health care system. Of course, many of the highest needs patients are seniors. Now consider that 75% of seniors with complex needs who are discharged from hospital receive care from six or more physicians, add home care and community services and pharmacists and a range of other health care providers. These are all highly skilled people, all wanting to do what's best for their patient, but doing so without knowing the whole patient, without coordination of care. Indeed, too often the coordination of care is left to the patient or left to the family. All too often that results in gaps in care, perhaps returns to hospitals and certainly not optimum care. We know there is a better way. We know there is a better way to provide care to those people who are counting on us. These high needs patients were the people we have in mind when we announced the creation of 19 health links. These are our early adopter health links. So community health links will foster collaboration between those providers. It's at the heart, that collaboration is at the heart of what health links are. So different providers caring for, caring for the same patient will develop one unified plan of care for that person. I saw George Smitherman here. Where is George? There you are, George Smitherman, my predecessor once removed. And I remember George said to me once, he, uh, he said, uh, every day I walk to work and every day I see the same woman sitting in the same bus shelter. It appears to me that this is a woman who maybe suffers from a mental health challenge. She probably gets care from lots of people, but nobody's in charge of her care. Well, George, we were inspired by you, and we are now going to have someone responsible for her care.
Thank you, George. This kind of collaboration, focus on an individual, has never happened before. It truly is or has the potential to be transformational. So HealthLinks bring together uh, healthcare providers within a defined community to coordinate healthcare services for people who need them most, people who, mostly seniors and patients with complex conditions. So we've established the first 19. They're submitting to the, their plans to the ministry next month. They will start by identifying those high-need patients. We say find your first 100 patients. This is very much focused on individual patients. Find your first 100 people who need a lot and who from the healthcare system but who aren't getting coordinated care. First thing you've got to do is make sure they all have a family doctor or nurse practitioner, attach them to primary care, and then develop individualized plans of care for each of those people. It will be up to everyone in the community health link, the family care providers, the specialists, hospitals, long-term care, community supports, everyone will have to work together to deliver the best quality of care to those individuals. We're going to work with our health links to, make sure, to, to share information and, and measure outcomes. But we know that with improved coordination and information sharing, patients will have access to care, better access to care, the most appropriate care. They will spend less time waiting for services, and they will be supported by a team of health care providers. It's this kind of collaboration that we need to see across the province as we add more community health links over the coming year. So I hope you'll agree that we have made significant progress over the past year, but there is so much more to do. In my opinion, a good measure of a government is how well it governs in difficult fiscal times. One approach taken by some governments is simply across-the-board cuts. Other governments ignore their fiscal responsibility or choose simplistic, ideologically driven approaches that simply don't address the underlying, underlying issues and they just kick the problem down for the next minister or the next government to address. Through this global recession, our government has taken a more difficult but a more thoughtful and balanced approach. We've increased funding where there's good value in doing that. We've held the line where we know we can get better value. <clears throat> and we've stopped funding initiatives that simply don't give us good value. Most importantly, we're transforming healthcare by bringing partners together to work collaboratively with interests of patients being the only interest that matters. I've had the honor of being Ontario's health minister for over three years now. I love my job. I wake up every day with one overarching goal, to leave healthcare better than I found it. But as our premier, Dalton McGuinty, who has been at the helm for almost a decade, it is truly his leadership, his never too high, never too low, just relentless approach that has driven extraordinary improvements. As an Ontarian, 
as a daughter of aging parents, as the mother of healthy adults, and the grandmother of four perfect grandchildren, I am enormously grateful for his steady leadership. As he prepares to leave his post, I do think it's a good time to remind ourselves of how far we've come under his watch and to express our gratitude for the decisions he has made on our behalf. Healthcare in Ontario is much, much better now than when he began his work as Premier. In coming days, we'll have a new Premier. While no one knows who that will be, I do know that each of the six candidates who are running are just as committed to the strategic direction that we have set out. Each of the candidates has expressed their support for the action plan. Liberals are united in our determination to continue with the transformation now underway. I am confident that no matter who becomes our next Premier, the government will continue to forge ahead with this vision for health care. One year ago, I put out a call to action. I challenged everyone from patients to doctors, frontline nurses to hospital administrators, personal support workers to people in our lens to take part in this transformation. I said that everyone had a role to play. And I can tell you today that everyone has played a role. I have been so inspired by the good work I've seen over the past year. The commitment to build a patient-centered, sustainable health care system is overwhelming. Change isn't going to happen overnight. It took decades for our health care system to get where it is today. But isn't it remarkable what we can achieve together in one short year? On a final note, I was very pleased that the Fraser Institute reported yesterday that Ontario is leading the country on a number of key health metrics, including shortest wait times. But best in country is not good enough. When we look at international comparisons, we know we can do better. Our plan is designed to help us be the best in the world. This means we can't let up now. We've set a course, we're staying on track. Indeed, we're accelerating the transformation underway. I thank you for all the work you have done, for demonstrating to the world that it can be done, and I thank you in advance for the work ahead. Thank you. Well, I have the honor of thanking you, Minister, and Minister Matthews, you deserve an A for that progress report. <laughs> Healthcare is the toughest and most talked about topic in public policy for good reason. It affects us all, and getting it right matters a lot. You and your ministry are working hard at putting patients first, providing programs and services people need when and where they need them. You're also responding to the province's changing demographics, serving an aging population and a more diverse population at a time when budgets are tight and needs are high. Delivering a patient-focused, publicly funded health care system is a daunting task. 
and yet you have a way of making it look easy and fun, but we know that it's anything but easy. So you have your work cut out for you, Minister. We wish you continued success with your ministry's transformation agenda, and we thank you for choosing the Canadian Club of Toronto as the podium to deliver this promising progress report. Thank you. Thank you, Helen, and and thank you, Minister. Um, I would also like to once again express a very special thank you to today's sponsor, McKesson Canada. Thank you again for joining us and for your support. Now, before we adjourn for lunch, just one more thing. I would like to tell you about, <clears throat> excuse me, a few of the upcoming events that we have here at the club. Uh, later this month, we'll hear from the Honourable Dwight Duncan, who will present an update on Ontario's economy and finances, and we'll talk about how we can face Ontario's inconvenient fiscal truth, uh, as we're told, and eliminate the deficit. Um, following that, we'll have Stratford Festival's artistic director, who will talk about the world, the stage, the medium and the message, live performance in a digital age, featuring a live performance of our own with Cynthia Dale. Um, and then at the end of the month, we'll have Premier Alison Redford from Alberta, who will join us to talk about how to protect Alberta's gains and build for the future. And you can order tickets to any or all, if you wish, of these events on our website, canadianclub.org. Now, this concludes our television programming, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. We would like to thank Rogers and 680 News for their continued coverage of Canadian Club events. And now, as we begin our lunch, I would love everyone to join me, if they are able, in a toast to Canada. Please rise if you can. Thank you. To Canada. Cheers. <laughs>